0: The Virtual CISO Moment is brought to you by vCISO Services, a leading provider of quality and experienced virtual chief information security officers for small and mid-sized businesses. Check them out at vcsoservices.com. Hi, I'm Greg Schaefer, and welcome to the Virtual CISO Moment. Dave Sobol joins us. He is the host of Business Tech Podcast and the owner of MSP Radio. He is also a former, he owned and operated an IT solution provider and MSP for over a decade and has been doing this for a while. Dave, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Oh, Greg, thanks for having me. This is going to be great fun.
0: Yeah. And and despite the fact that sometimes we start out with a little bit of technical issues, but we got
1: those resolved. It keeps us in business. We wouldn't be doing this if there weren't occasional technical problems.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'd love to hear your uh, journey from 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 where you started, why you got into IT, why you got into the MSP space and then how you pivoted from that and are doing a podcast now. Or yeah i mean even more
1: so. this is one of those questions where like how far back do you want to go when i was a little boy i got my first computer at five like I mean, in the I,
0: beginning god right, created I, the heaven and the earth
1: i've <laughs> known i wanted to be in technology since i was little right and, and i got a degree in computer science from william and mary and i I was super focused on like i'm gonna be a product guy i'm gonna write code like that was my did and i i did that late 90s early aught startup ride mm-hmm. uh, and it was great fun right like tons tons of time and then They laid off the whole development team at my last startup and, you know, and all the salespeople and and management kept their jobs. And the lesson I learned was that uh, management and sales keeps their jobs. (laughs) Uh, And I and I had this moment and I said, well, you know, I can run a company into the wall just as much as those morons can. (laughs) And I went out. I decided I was gonna. I was either gonna strike out on my own, or I'd get another job, whichever one hit first. And we landed our first managed services contract like within a month and a half because I started hustling and buying oh, finding people. Yeah, and it was a great great contract. And it was even before we called it managed services. So I grew that business over the course of about ten years. So ups and downs of any entrepreneur, like you know, was was not a smooth sailing all the time. But I, was, I leaned into it. I, I lo- learned a lot about it doing it. And I was the quintessential sort of community guy too. Like I was a CompTIA trainer and I wrote a book and I was a Microsoft MVP and I helped launch peer groups into Europe and I was a peer group advocate. And I was in, like I did all this stuff. Uh, and then, you know, right around 2011, uh, I was, you know, I, I decided it was time to, to leave that business and I had an opportunity to sell and I took it. Uh, and then I pivoted and I said, okay, I still need a job. Uh, and right. I want to keep learning because it wasn't that big of an exit. It was, you know, it'll be great in 30 years when I hit the retirement fund, but I still needed a job. And I said, I wanted to keep learning and I went and worked for software vendors, I actually did community engagement for two different software vendors in the msp space first one we we sold was there about two years then the second one it was a six-year run we sold it three years in and i stayed through the ipo actually it was because we were bought by solar winds of all people uh yeah. <laughs> and, i've heard of uh, them yeah i heard of them and i wanted and i had never been with a company that ipo'd and so i stayed through their second ipo uh when they went public and i stayed a year post so that i could kind of learn all that stuff and then at the mm-hmm. end of that so that's eight years as a vendor and it it reached its sort of natural conclusion where I'm not a generally a big company guy. Uh, I like SMB for a reason, and then I was found myself working for a large publicly traded company, and it was it was time to go. And I pivoted again, and I said, "Well, what can I do in this community space? Like that's different." And I said, "I could actually focus on helping IT services companies, those that deliver IT services and MSPs, with a bit of the insight into into trends and markets and news." And I launched the Business of Tech podcast, which is a daily show that helps cover two to four stories every day, and a, a segment I call "Why Do You Care?" Why do we care? Which gives you a sense of why I think this is important to those in the market. And that's what I, sort of my journey of how I got here I was like: a couple of times entrepreneur, a couple of times at software companies, and back to back, you know, now doing news. Well, I love the idea of the why do you care?
0: And, and no, I'm not saying I'm going to steal it, but um, <laughs> it, it, it's a, a college professor of mine when I was doing my master's in um, information system project management. This is like 15 years ago. Uh, the capstone Class, He had a saying, it's like, Greg, you're telling me the what, now tell me the so what. So it's basically like, so why does this matter? Why? And I think that sometimes in information technology and information security, we don't do as good of a job that we can do explaining the why we're doing stuff sometimes to small businesses.
1: Yeah. and so and I, so I, that's why I lean into it is, is so I, I want to give listener you know, this the news right so I'm reporting on things but there are lots of great journalists doing that What I'm doing is, is I'm saying I'm pulling together a bunch of news sources I'm saying these are the things that I thought were important. Mm -hmm. And here's why I think they're important. (laughs) So to give you some, you know, some of my expertise into that decision making, if you disagree with me, that's great. Like, cool. I always say, like, if you disagree with me, go make more money doing the opposite of what I think. Uh, But that's an informed decision. And I'm totally comfortable with that because, you know, I'm just telling you why I think this is important or why I think this is going to happen. I try and be right way more than I'm wrong, but that doesn't mean I'm going to get right every time.
0: (laughs) Um, so the, um, the, the, the podcast, um, how long have you been, how long have you been doing the business?
1: Yeah. So I've been, sorry. I've been at the, the audio version okay. is three and a half years old and the video version is two and a half years old. And we, cause we do it in a, di- it's a daily podcast about five minutes, but it's also released on Mondays as a 25 minute or so show that you can watch on YouTube. So, so depending on the way you like to consume your content.
0: So you've been doing this for some time, and I'm sure that you've, of course, been been going through a lot of stories and and so forth. But um, what what would you think just right now, today, since you're covering the news today? I know I listened to yours before this and you were talking about the um, uh, oh, I can't remember what they call it. The Biden administration just released the uh, the the plan, the national security
1: strategy, a cyber strategy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So uh, what what do you think is like one of the most significant uh, information security issues, threats to small and b- mid-sized businesses today based on the threat environment?
1: Well, this is super hard. <laughs> Let me just start with that. Like, I almost want to boil it down to like, we don't give enough credit to the opposition. Is, mm-hmm. the, is, is, is oftentimes we talk because we talk about security in such vague terms. Like it, it doesn't I mean, it's it's threat actors and vulnerabilities and small these all these esoteric terms. There's like tony soprano on the other side he's just got a suit and a tie and he's completely organized that business like cyber criminals are organized businesses that have financial statements and pr departments and they have hr and they work in shifts and they're like they've commercialized crime and they work in countries where they've got cloud cover
0: and they're and they're also not immune to the economy because uh, like last week, there was an article that Conti had to lay off forty five of their staff because of uh, business going down because right. of the economy.
1: Right, business going down. So we all we talk about them in such vague terms that it it makes it hard to envision and communicate the, the what what we're what we're dealing with. I really do like it's it's Tony Soprano in a in a suit and tie with a computer like he's uh, they've organized it, and
0: and, <laughs> and 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 now. A soapbox moment brought to you by Dave, a soapbox moment here, because I, I despise the image of the hoodie of the hacker, because that takes away from exactly what you're saying, exactly what what is behind it. Because you give the image to small and mid-sized businesses that hacking is, is or criminal hacking, I should say, is just basically like somebody alone somewhere and they're just hacking, they're just banging at a keyboard and not this whole business architecture right. that's really behind it.
1: It's an inc- it's incredible. Like, you have to give them credit. Like, they've organized, there's an affiliate program. They have sales teams. Like, they've divided up the labor. Like, it it's so well run. I give them such respect. It's just illegal, right? Like, 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 let's let's observe, observe that. And because we talk in such vague terms, we mm-hmm. don't make it tangible when we're when we're thinking about this problem, right? And so, so because you have this conversation all the time with the typical small business owner. Well, what do I have that people would want? Yeah, Money. <laughs> they have. They want your money. They want to steal your profits. And the way they're going to do that is they're going to use their criminal capabilities to target you and they've been able to automate it in such an incredibly precise way that they can hit a button and start running attacks automatically to scope you out and then find you and then attack you and steal your money that's what they want (laughs) (laughs) so 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 what's
0: i yeah and of course that gets back to the saying of uh uh you know why do why do criminals rob the banks because
1: because money what the money, is. money is. yeah <laughs> exactly
0: but I, so so that's great but what can uh, businesses do is it just a matter of like changing their perspective and taking it more seriously and understanding that that the small and mid-sized businesses have to understand that this r- is really a business
1: it's nothing personal and yes you can be a target no matter how big I mean, or it's small you there's, are. there's all bits of where we want to t- where we want to talk about the change like when I talked I, I really am in this category of like I don't want to blame end users for our security woes right like mm-hmm. like, like we're going to them and essentially by the way as an industry as a technical industry and say like yeah hey our, our stuff we kind of didn't build it with security in mind and now this criminal organizations are taking advantage of it and we're sorry customer you're going to now have to pay to use these tools that help you do business we're going to have to bake in the security that we didn't build into the products like that's what we're really telling customers But that's okay, because that's the reality that we live in, right? I don't live in a fantasy world. I live in the current one. And so I actually think as technologists, we have two... Portions of the responsibility. The first is to help our customers do the right thing with their limited budgets. And it is make sure that it includes all of their technology needs, not just just security, but everything. We have to look holistically at what they're able to do. We want to make sure their technology is driven in a way that grows revenue as well as helps with reduced cost. And we need to protect the profits that they're making. That's a component of it. And I think also as technologists, we have to advocate for. The industry doing a better job at this, rather than throw more tools at it, right? Like, you know, oh
0: gosh, yes. I, I, the, 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 tool creep is the way I right. refer to it. I is mean, and, and
1: so, in your question was about what we do with customers. I think we have to be really holistic and say, look, we need to talk to you about technology as an enablement. Right? Mm-hmm. You need it. It actually drives you. It should drive your business. We should do things for you that help. With the top line, we should be focused on business goals and revenue, and part of that is protecting that revenue, and that's the security component. And we need to make sure that we're doing it in a way that is keeping you safe in a very unsecure, difficult, threatening environment. So the
0: uh, pivoting back to the national cyber strategy, since we were, you know, that just came out. That seems to be top of mind for just about a lot of folks out there. I know you talked about it on your most recent episode. Um, I have to admit that a lot of times my first reaction when I hear something coming from a government agency is like, uh, a lot of show, but maybe not going to be as effective, but then sometimes I'm wrong. And, and like, like I was, I was not terribly excited, say like 10 or 12 years ago when they came out with the, uh, NIST cybersecurity framework. I'm like, why we have so many other frameworks out there right now, but actually it has helped particularly with the small and mid-sized business space. Yeah. Um, any predictions as to if or how much the um, national cyber strategy is going to move the protection of uh, particularly critical infrastructure here here in the United States?
1: I think it's going to make a huge difference. It's just going to take us a while to get there. Government is slow, but it does do generally the things we want it to do we we're, we're very fond of picking on the sides and getting all focused on the stuff but if you actually dig into like what happens on a weekly basis there's a bunch of laws that actually do happen there's a bunch of agencies that do their job and they do it every single day and and, and there are certain things that i think government is good at right like and, and they're good at protecting certain guardrails of everything and they're quite good at that and mm-hmm. they're they're slow and they and, and it's designed to be messy Uh, and you know, and the the debate over the way to do it, well, that's politics, right? But that's what we should, we should be debating the way, not the personalities. And so for me, I look at it and say like, look, what we've actually had happen is, is a threat, a significant threat that I outlined in the way that I think about it is being addressed by the group that is good at doing it. You know, there's a reason we don't have private armies to protect us because that's probably a bad idea, (laughs) right? We have public, we have, we have. You know, we have the U.S. military and we put our government thinking about this very important criminal activity that is protected by other governments. And we've put them on this task. Will they get there instantaneously? No, of course not. By the way, the plan is a 10 year proposal. Exactly. But. Do I think we'll get there over time? Yeah, I do think so. And by the way, I think one of the things that I'm most encouraged by is is, is pushing back on the idea of the manufacturers having no liability for releasing stuff into the world. you know mm-hmm. I I look and say like I think they have partially uh, they are par- part of the problem, right if you leave if you release software out there that is is and it then gets identified as having a flaw, if this was a physical thing, Well, we have recalls for that, right? Like if a child seat is built incorrectly and kills children, uh, we deal with that. Well, software ought to have that too. It's not perfect, but at the same time, we should have some liability for that. and You should be incentivized to build that because profit alone does not necessarily create those outcomes.
0: Exactly, and that's the whole impetus for for the plan. And you know, thinking about government and and how effective it can be in these areas of of, of cyber and information security, I think you can just step back and look at um, two of the two of the more mature verticals in in cybersecurity. Undoubtedly, has to be healthcare and and finance. And and why? Because they have been historically um, much higher regulated as far as the requirements for protecting, like you know, healthcare, uh, EPHI, and protecting uh, uh, through HIPAA and high trust, and then yeah. um, banking, uh, Graham leach bliley the FFIEC, and and all of that. Because um, there's also, of course, with the regulators and banking, the skin in the game. They're actually. Um, guaranteeing a quarter million deposit at your financial institution. So they want to be sure. So right. uh, th- this idea of a skin of the, in the game is part of it. But I like what you said as far as the analogy of recalls. And I never thought of it that way. Software recall, in, in a manner of speaking. I know, I know, I don't think that
1: that's what you were actually... Um, actually, that's totally the way I'm... Because I, I like to translate these virtual ideas into physical. Because yeah. I think it's important to think about it that way. Like, if you released a product that didn't work... Or, or that somebody could do you know hor- horrible things with it. We have we end up in ways that we we fix that you know and and we we address the physical flaw with with a with an adjustment process to protect the public. Why isn't software done, done this? way? why isn't there there should be some responsibility for it? And and I think you know we we as an industry oftentimes just. Keep building on top of stuff, and we sometimes need to re-examine that. You know, my my favorite example that I always like to throw out in these security discussions is, why are we still using SMTP? Yeah. Like, like, why? The builders said it was never built with security involved. We just keep bolting stuff on top of it. And everyone gives me the, oh, it's so hard. You know, we switched from SD to HD television. We switched from AM to FM to digital. Like we've replaced all kinds of other technologies because a better one comes along. But heaven forbid, we talk about precious SMTP. Like, Come on. <laughs> I mean, back back in the day as a network administrator, it was all about
0: Telnet, Telnet to this, Telnet to that. And we replaced Telnet with SSH. It's like you know, uh, putty or what have you. And and in the beginning, there was a lot of resistance to that. It's like, well, why do we need this? It's internal and so forth. And now right. it's like, you, it's like I, wearing a seatbelt. It's just, you, you just do it. it right, it's and you kind of laugh way.
1: and go, you want to eliminate phishing? Why don't we talk about actual secure email? Like actual secure email where there's identities version of it. And maybe we'll use two systems, right? Maybe we'll use the old one for certain things and a new one for other things. But why is this precious? <laughs> like, why are why are we technologists not being disruptive? We, we ought to have to ask that question. You think it's start a new podcast, ideas that make sense. <laughs> well, <yeah. laughs> we, we have to start these debates because particularly if we're thinking about ourselves in the context of you know, like as a CISO or advising small to mid-sized customers, we have to advocate for our customers. Right. Our customers want these things to work better. Right. And we really should look at the root causes of some of these problems and push back on the manufacturers and say, like, this is the way that it's done. And by the way, if they won't do it that way and the market isn't doing it, that's when we turn to you know, regulatory and say, like, this can be regulated and where are certain levels of requirement to make it done right.
0: And that's where we're at with the national cyber that's, strategy. And that's exactly, exactly where we're
1: at. And so my, my message to you know to anybody who's working in this space is look, you need to read this. It's only a 40 page document. Like it's and it's it's in reasonably regular human speak. Like it's not designed Which is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> right, it's right, not right. A, it's not a NIST document. That's right. Sure. It's not a NIST document. And it's put together by people that really care about this, this space, that are experts in this space, and their literal action is please provide us feedback. Like that. they are they have literally it's in comments period right so it's come out and they're soliciting comments on it that's how this process works and this is exactly the time to as an expert in the industry to raise your hand offer your comments to to the other experts and get that included in the strategy exactly
0: well uh, during all of this i, I again and thinking about the um the, uh, the changes that have happened and the changes that will happen. One of the things I know that is a constant in both IT and information security um, is that it can be stressful. Uh, and I can also say as a podcaster myself that sometimes Podcasting can be stressful, particularly as I go back to what we said in, the, uh, said in the beginning when unexpected technical issues happen, like when you don't want it or you, I'm in the middle of saying something and all of a sudden like the other side, the connection just stops and, and you're almost like, well, what, what do I do? So it's stressful. And, and, and I think that uh, and also as an entrepreneur, because you are and have been down that path, too. A lot of stress can accumulate. And if you let that accumulate without having some sort of release, it can be toxic. So what's one thing that you do to get away from all of this and to release some of that stress?
1: I got to I say I have, a, I have so many different things that I do, like from a hobby perspective, like I'm, I'm a video game guy, like I love playing video games, uh, you know, and, and that's I love it because it's not only fun, but it's, it requires some focus and just on that. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's, you're not very good at the game if you're, in, if you're interrupted so it gives you the opportunity to focus on something that you enjoy and that is a good excuse to just focus um, and I will don't mind saying that I actually impose that by being careful with my devices I'm real, a real advocate of like using things like Apple's focus modes to make sure that like I don't get interrupted on in a lot of things and I have real times that are dedicated to this is time dedicated to not work So I don't get interrupted by things I have notifications off and I'm, I try not to be a slave to my devices, but you ask what I do for fun. Like, Hey, I'm a video game guy. I love getting outside, going for walks, going for bike rides. Like I find things that help me focus.
0: What's your, what's your favorite video game right now?
1: Right now, I'm playing through Mass Effect, the uh, the Legendary Edition, because uh, actually somehow I missed those games. I had just finished uh, Horizon Forbidden West before that, and I played Guardians of the Galaxy. I like those sort of third person action adventure kind of games, where I'm solving puzzles and kind of doing you know fu- fun adventuring.
0: Oh, see, see, I'm stuck in 1983. Um, I, I was so happy when Atari um, put out their uh, their uh, uh, an updated version of their twenty six hundred which is what I had as a kid and so on occasion. I have down in my basement I see behind you it looks like you have a couple of those old uh, uh, cathode ray tube devices that we use I do, I do
1: I actually have a whole retro video game collection as well you asked what I was playing those are the games I'm currently playing but I've got an entire collection of classic Nintendo classic Sony oh, classic awesome. Microsoft all this and I've, I've restored them and they all work and they're all hooked up so uh, and you have
0: to and you have to play them sometimes on on the older devices because mm-hmm. it just did I mean uh, putting in a 2600 on a uh, on a, on a flash flat screen you know 72 inch tv is like of course it really calls out the uh, the lack of detail in there you probably oh, help baiters. with that
1: too you can go very far down the rabbit hole and that's another of my hobbies is is like going down the rabbit hole of making that old equipment work
0: uh, I yeah, I got a buddy of mine. He restores old radios. He just did one from like 1938 too. It's like, you know, and I better stop talking about this because I start to get excited about this stuff, and I and I don't seem to find enough hours in the day to do everything I want to do anyway. So, I think I might go home after this and play some Bataria though, because I'm great going weekend to- <laughs> activity. <laughs> So all right, uh, future plans, um, you're, you're obviously growing the uh, business of tech podcast. Um, uh, what other future plans do you have or, or talk about the podcast future plans?
1: I'm su- I'm super focused on the podcast, the growing it in its different forms. you know we launched a newsletter last last year as well. So it's really about this I have this concept of you know helping, those in IT services, those delivering the technology services, understand all of this changing world, right? There's so much stuff happening so fast Mm
0: -hmm. and,
1: you know, you if you're an entrepreneur, business owner, operator, or in in an IT you may not have time to keep up with all these things so somebody who's combing through all the news with your experience and giving you like, hey, here's the things that I'm keeping an eye on right now so that you've at least, you've got a starting point for your own research and can get, you know, ideas on what is important and also what's not important i'm really focused on doing that right now it's so such fun i'm having a great time doing it and i love hearing from listeners and audience of like of getting the feedback from the field saying like yeah dave this is where this is what we're seeing that's what's going on here's a little detail for you to to do that 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 interaction is just such fun and
0: the podcast is the business of tech and you can find it on all major podcast platforms as well as youtube i believe too right
1: yep absolutely all the links are business of
0: And we'll put that link in the show notes, Dave. It it was absolutely fabulous talking with you today, despite the little technical issues we had before. Really appreciate you spending the time to come on and spend some few minutes with us
1: today. Oh, great. This is great fun. Thank you so much for having me. All right.
0: And everybody, stay secure.